Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Mrs. Joyce Ayimodu, fondly known as Grandma Joyce, was born in 1940 to a British father and a French mother. A passionate lover of God with an unmistakable fragrance of Christ around her, she's a retired teacher missionary, closely affiliated with the United Missionary Church of Africa, UMCA. She set up a branch of the French International Language and Cultural Organization, Alliance Francaise in Ilorin, Kwara State, Nigeria, and served as its director till she retired in 2012. In recognition of her dedication to promoting the French language and the culture, she received three national awards from the French government, the Order of Academic Laurels, Knight in the French Order of Merit, and Officer in the French National Order of Merit. Her husband of 51 years went to be with the Lord in October. She has two daughters and five grandchildren. Please welcome to Pursuit of God 2020, Grandma Joyce. Well, Church, um, welcome to uh, this evening of our Pursuit of God conference, our theme, uh, Intimacy with God. And when we were talking about this theme, uh, we wanted an opportunity for, for us to get closer to God, more intimate with Him, more, more, more deeper in our relationship with Him. And as Shola and I talked about who speakers and people who could encourage us on this journey, we unanimously uh, uh, settled, uh, and it was unanimous, it was instant, on our guest tonight, um, Mrs. Joyce Anyimodu. I call her, Shola and I call her Grandma Joyce, and so I'm going to be calling her that throughout this interview. And why some of some people might ask, uh, what 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 made her stand out in this regard? Well, I think the simple way that I can put it is that in my Christian walk over what twenty nine odd years, and in Shola's as well, we both concluded that uh, this is one person that we have met who has the fragrance of Christ, the, the, the beautiful fragrance of Christ around her. From the moment we met her, it was as if the things we read in the Bible about Christ-likeness, uh, we saw it uh, in, in, in someone's life as we watched her and interacted with her. The, the one regret Shola and I have is that we met her so late in our lives and in her life. And so... Uh, we're just going to get a chance to glean from her uh, wealth of experience, her walk with God, um, her rich and very, very rich life, um, multicultural, um, you know, very, uh, very cultural in terms of culture itself, and then her deep walk with God. So, Grandma Joyce, I would love to welcome you uh, to this, this chat this evening. Um, and we're looking forward to it. But just before 
I launch into, there's so many questions that I have to ask. Um, who is uh, Mrs. Joyce Anyimodu? Who's Grandma Joyce? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank you very much for welcoming me to this program. It's a real privilege for me to be here. Uh, who is Joyce Anyimodu? First and foremost, just a simple little old lady. I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And I am just so grateful for his amazing grace on my life over the last 80 years. But I know you may want just a few more concrete facts. So let me briefly say I was born in England in 1940. I was educated in France. I studied at the University in Reading in Berkshire. That's where I met my husband, Moses. Then uh, we got married in uh, June 1967. Okay. We went to Nigeria soon afterwards. And he as an agriculturist, I as a French teacher. Then we settled in Iloin, where I spent the next 51 years. Wow. I We both attended the uh, United Missionary Church of Africa, UMCA Eloin. I have two wonderful daughters, five amazing grandchildren, and uh, I lost my husband. Well, I didn't lose it. He went to be with the Lord uh, 18 months ago in October uh, 2018. And since then, I've just divided my time between Nigeria, England, where one of my daughter lives, Switzerland, where the other one lives, and all over the world. <laughs> so in a nutshell, I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Grandma, I know, I know a bit of the story um, of how you ended up uh, in, how, how you met uh, your husband uh, and how you ended up in Nigeria. Now, I was going to ask that later on, but can I ask that now? Because I think that, that was a story that I found so interesting. Well, we, we met at the Christian Union first meeting of the year, and uh, it must have been 61, I think. And, uh, of course, when I, I told him about my passion for wanting to be a missionary and how I wanted to go to Africa. And he told me about his faith and his uh, love for the soil and farming and how much he wanted to dedicate his life to helping farmers have a better life later on. And uh, at the end of the year, we felt, oh, it looks as if this is God's plan that we should unite our lives. We told my parents, and they were baffled. They were absolutely baffled. They, they had never, ever thought of the possibility of mixed marriages. Remember, we are in the early 60s, and they told us, well, we would like you to remain separate for a year, since Moses was going to do his final year of his degree, and I was starting to teach in a separate town. 
So my husband said, I cannot marry you unless I have my, your parents' blessing. So God will work one way or the other. And uh, to cut a long story short, he went back to Nigeria because he had finished his course and the government wanted him back. They needed him. I stayed. Two years later, I didn't know that my parents had been in touch with him and he with my parents and we had continued writing. And they said, well, look, if you really feel so sure that this is a person you should marry, we would just ask one condition. We would want you to spend a whole year on your own in Nigeria because we believe that it is better to see if you can adjust than get married and risk facing problems you can't cope with. My husband, being a very deep-rooted Christian, said, I agree. And I agreed too, so God opened a door for me to go as a assistant lecturer to Amadou Bello University in northern Nigeria. And so I had that year on my own. And uh, at the end of the year, my parents, having come to visit me in Zaya, uh, having had a lot more interaction with my husband uh, while he was studying, doing his postgraduate in England, they invited him over, felt very confident. They said, this young man is very deep-rooted. He has a wonderful personality, a deep faith, and we're happy for you to marry him. Wow. Grandma, our theme uh, for this conference is intimacy with God. Um, what does that mean to you? I, and I remember, I remember reading your book, and there was a, a reflection about being still that really touched me. So what, what does intimacy with God mean? To you. Well, uh, first of all, I think I would just like to mention that I was a Christian home. I was, uh, we attended the King Methodist Church in Paris with my parents, but I only had a personal encounter with uh, Jesus at a Christian camp in North Wales when I was 15, and that's where I surrendered my life to. Christ and accepted it as my Lord and Savior. Because without that encounter, that personal encounter, you wouldn't even be able to talk about intimacy with God. So I think the first thing is the personal encounter, then feeling so deeply loved. I noticed that when Jesus wanted to teach us a deeper spiritual truth, he took images that were familiar to people, like, for example, the shepherd and the sheep, the branches and the vine, and the sower and the seeds. So I would just like maybe to look at our own family circle and best friends and so on to give us an idea of what intimacy really is. Mm togetherness within a family, a feeling that we can share intimate things between spouses, between children and parents, and between best friends. But 
I'm sure all of us have experienced the fact that you never really found those relationships fully satisfactory. Mm -hmm. You know, at times you wanted desperately to talk with your father. Your father was not at home. You wanted to share intimate thoughts with your best friend. Your best friend traveled. And so you were left with that vacuum. But just imagine meeting, having a friend who would always be there, who would never fail, somebody who would not be judgmental, somebody who would listen to you and understand you and be able to assure you that you could lean on him. He would never leave you nor forsake you. For me, that's my best understanding of what intimacy really means. Mm. Being, a, being able to know he's always there. And all human uh, links, all human uh, intimacies have their failings. Yeah. But there's one who never, ever fails. Grandma, you're, you're, you're over 80 years. You gave, you gave your life to Christ at 15. You've walked this journey. Um, if, 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 a, if, if a young person was sitting in front of you and saying, can you give me some tips uh, that can help me along this journey? I'm, I'm, I love God. I want to get into a deeper relationship with him. I want to... You know, I want to get more intimate with him. What, what kind of practical things would you... Well, first and foremost, the, I would say, well, have you had this personal encounter? And obviously, we're talking about a young Christian. Mm. I would not deceive him. I would tell him the truth. It's a long walk. It's like sanctification. It's a lifetime. Mm. So it doesn't happen overnight. Um, I would... Help him to understand that he needs to realize that God loves him first and that what God longs for is for us to love him. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, you will love your Lord, your, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and you will have no other gods. So he, you have to give him first place in your life. You have to put him on the throne of your life and determine that that's where he belongs. Then after it needs commitment, dedication, it needs, um, you have to give it time, just as you need to feed daily. You, your body, you need to feed your soul. So it's going to be uh, putting time aside to study who is Jesus. I have known about him. I've met him, but do I really know him? So you're going, where can you discover Jesus in the word of God? So you're going to have to give a lot of time to discovering Jesus so that he will come out alive from the word of God. And you will now be walking side by side with him. You have to trust him. You have to have faith. I remember not long ago, you preached that it is impossible 
to serve God, you know, without, without faith, to love God without faith. It's, you have to have faith. So faith, trust, and obedience. And then um, I think another thing too is, as I mentioned, time, effort. Then in your walk to, with Jesus, you have to listen. Listen before you talk. Mm. Prayer is a two-way conversation. So we have to listen to what he has to say to us. We have to quieten our hearts, to be still. There's so many voices in this busy world competing with his still, small voice. So unless we can quieten the other voices, unless we can um, still our mind in his presence, be still, know that he is God, and listen. Listen attentively. And then the conversation is two ways. So we're going to respond. We're going to talk. And sometimes it may be a joyous talk. At times it may be a talk in worry and anguish. Sometimes it would be praising. You know, your heart is overflowing with joy. At other times, you will almost be angry. Why? Lord, why is this happening? So you have to tell young Christians that you can't never promise uh, better roses. There are going to be difficult times when, but he wants you to be truthful. So that's the most important thing. You can deceive even your spouse. You can deceive your children. You can deceive everybody. But you can't deceive God. Because if you read it, Psalm 139, you know, he knows everything about us. So you can, you can afford to be completely yourself. And don't feel there's a set pattern. When you're feeling sad, let him know, I'm sad. If you're weeping in his presence, it's okay. You can weep. If you're rejoicing, let it bubble over. So I think those are just a few points, you know, and it's not a daily uh, Sunday, Sunday medicine, as we used to say about never Quinn. It's a daily walk, an hourly walk, I would say more precisely. And it's a process that takes a lifetime. I'm so far, far, far from what I would like my walk to be. Well, I had, I had, um, I had about the uh, when you were flying into Nigeria <laughs> and the plane got diverted to Ghana because of the sandstorms in <laughs> in Abuja, Nigeria, and um, how you were stuck in Ghana for three days, I think it was or more. Um, and what what amazed Shola and I was how you just got on with life. You were stuck in Ghana. You just got on with life. You met a friend of, of your late husband's. You, you did a tour of the city. You met the ex-president Rollins. You just, so I just thought this, this, this is just something about you that really, really challenges us. How do you just encounter these obstacles, difficulties, this turbulence in life? But you just, you just take it in your stride. How, how do you... Is it, I think the most important thing to remember is that if you're walking with Jesus and you are absolutely 
Joel, that is holding you in the hollow of your hand. Why should you really worry? I mean, we do, we do, I do. But really, it's a lack of faith because I had always wanted to go to Ghana. I said to my daughter, you know, we're so near Ghana and I've never been. Now, I was just smiling. I remember when they say we are trying to land, we were circling over um, Lagos. And when they said, oh, we have to go over to Ghana, I remember the first thing, oh, how exciting, you know. I didn't think too much of the consequences. I just thought, how exciting. And the way this uh, friend of uh, my son-in-law came and said, oh, we were in Abu Dhabi together. Remember me? And yes, I did. And so he said, don't worry, I will take care of you. I said, Lord, thank you. You've just sent a guardian angel. And he did. And then I thought if I'd been able to go to Ghana, I probably wouldn't have been able to stay in five-star hotels and, you know, enjoy. And I certainly would never have, you know, probably met uh, uh, rollings and it just all worked out. So I just smiled and said, Lord, thank you. You've taken care of everything. And he's done that so many times that honestly it would be to fear. If I find myself in an uncommon situation, which has happened so many times. We're broken down in the bush between towns, lost in the middle of nowhere. God has sent somebody. I mean, I've, I've gone through seven, five, five coups in Nigeria in incredible situations, and every time he's been there. So the Ghana one was just one more case of his care and love over me. Amen. Amen. Okay, Grandma, just as we're coming towards the end, to, w w I wanted to ask about your prayer life. Um, not, you don't have to give us the details, but what can you, uh, from your prayer life, how can you encourage us, knowing how critical prayer is in our walk with God? Yes, it's so important. Uh, and, you know, I would say it's in some ways the most Simple and the most complex thing. Because at times, it just overflows. You're walking with Jesus. You walk along the street. You, you're pouring out your heart to God through this intimacy. And then at times, you're just in the dark tunnel. And all you can do is, you know, sigh. But it doesn't matter. Uh, some people, there's so many ways to pray. Uh, God accepts. All he wants us to do is to commune with him. Mm. If it's a sigh, it's okay. If it's a smile, it's okay. If it's tears, he accepts them. But I would just say two things that are very, very important is whether you feel like praying or not, you need to continue. Even if it's the Lord's Prayer that you recite, if, if the heart, if you're in a dry land, if you're in trouble, just 
just take time to just say the Lord's Prayer or open the common book of prayer and read a prayer. Um, if the, in the family setting, I think the most important is to have family prayers because the family that prays together stays together. The moment you can bring your family together, and I know in England now it's such a very rare uh, practice, but we always prayed as a family. And that puts seeds in the children's life that will never die. Mm. But um, so family prayer, a family altar, and then your daily communication with God. Don't worry if you don't have to say a long prayer. You don't have to follow a certain pattern of praise, thanksgiving, intercession, repentance, whatever we were taught. Uh, what you need to do is just to commune. Communicate, talk to him as you would talk to your father or your, or your friend and practice sharing everything with him. If you're in a traffic jam, just say, Lord, but I could get annoyed, but I'm going to use this time to uh, spend time with you. If you're walking in the neighborhood, just pray for your neighbors. And use every opportunity. You can't find something, just turn to him and say, Lord, I know I'm careless, I'm scattered away, but please help me find it and you'll find that as you calm down your spirit in his presence it's staring at you there so that's just the intimacy of God reflected in prayer and if you can't do anything just stretch out a hand to him and say Lord have mercy on me Amen Amen and Grandma you know all these um, today, today I was I was reading in my reflections um, I, was, I was reading um, Paul's letter to Timothy, and I got to that part where he spoke about godliness with contentment. And um, I knew I was going to be um, talking to you, and I thought about you, and I thought, this, this is really grandma's life, just a very content woman, and a very humble one, because um, you're, you've been blessed in, in, in material ways, um, your husband was blessed. Um, you, you've got all these honors. Uh, um, you've got three national honors from France, I read. You know, three significant national honors from the French government. Um, and, but the question was, how, do, how would you encourage us to not, to not attach so much significance to these things that they, uh, that they change our lives? So humility and contentment, what would you say about that? Because we see it in your life. Well, all other things may be taken from you. You're just wasting your time uh, hanging on to money, to property, to all these things. They're here today. You can't take them with you. You're not going to. Uh, nobody's going to bury them. 
uh, to accompany you, like Pharaoh had all those things in their tombs to accompany them on their journey across the river. Where we came empty-handed, we're going back empty-handed. But we have treasures in heaven. God has put so much treasures at our disposal. He's given us the fruits of the Spirit. He's given us talents. Use those talents. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. He's given you access to riches that the world can never, ever give. So in whatever situation you find yourself, uh, be content. Sometimes we would go to the village and just enjoy village life. Oh, we did have air conditioner. We had a big old rickety bed, maybe. And we didn't have the things we had in Eloin. But it was fun. It was lovely. If uh, God brings us, you know, to have to move there, not my favorite times at all, but when my husband was commissioner for Greek, we had to attend many uh, cocktail parties have moved among people that are not normally the people I would easily relate to. But I said, well, they're human beings, and then we get to know and understand them. So I think contentment comes from the fact that your real treasures are from God. All other things are will pass away. So if you can be humble and realize you came with nothing into the world, you're going away with nothing. And yet you're rich. Rich with the blessings of God. So learn to be content. That's what Paul learned. He had some problem with his leg too, but he didn't dwell on that. He asked the Lord to deliver him. But the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient unto you. So, yes, I have quite a few little problems here and there, but his grace is sufficient unto me. So let me just rejoice, wake up every morning and say, I'm alive. I have a roof over my head. God has been so good to me and set out to help somebody. Think less about yourself. Think more about others. And then your own little problems will dwindle away. And you will start counting your blessings one by one. Okay, Grandma, thank you. Um, just going to ask you about missionaries, your passion for missionaries and your, your project, the project you're doing now. Um, and uh, uh, you're a missionary yourself. So can you just, just tell us, how did that start? How did you? Well, when we arrived in uh, Nigeria in 1967 in Iloin, we joined the United Missionary Church of Africa and um, they had many missionaries working. Over 100 years, there were about 200 missionaries who came from 1905. The first one was uh, Alexander Banfield who arrived on his own along the River Niger and settled in Shunga. And uh, after that, they came one after the other. And I just saw their devotion, their dedication, mm -hmm. their 
decide to spread the word of God. I admired them. I, I thought they were absolutely great people having given up so much at home in their comfortable Canadian and American homes to come and bring the word of God to us in Nigeria. So I worked very closely with them. And uh, uh, after I retired, uh, we were discussing one day with the missionaries and we said, well, you know, it's a pity that for our young generation, we haven't actually kept records of those early days. So we set up a United Missionary Historical Trust and decided to start writing little files uh, on the 200 missionaries. And then we decided with the Nigerian church to start interviewing some of the very early converts who had come to know the Lord through the missionaries. So the Theological um, College helped me send um, students of the different ethnic groups to all the mission out uh, mission posts, and uh, they interviewed people who were ninety years old, eighty years old, who would tell us how they were converted, tell us their lives. It was recorded on, uh, and then we had to trans because they were interviewed in their local language, which were mainly Nupi, Dakakari, uh, Dukawa, uh, Yoruba, Hausa, and then we would translate, have it translated into English, and then keep all the records, and then work do a file on every one of them, and ask their advice to the younger generation. And all of them said, you have lost your first love for the Lord. You have become lukewarm. You are pursuing status. You're pursuing position within the church, money. And read. so we asked, we decided that having all these records would help the young uh, students in the theological college because we have several Bible schools and theological college. So it would help them build them up, realize at what cost Christianity was brought to them and how their forefathers, the founders of their denomination, suffered what they went through to establish what is now a denomination with hundreds and hundreds of churches. So all these files, it's not in the form of a book, but it is on Google Drive and in the archives in Indiana, in uh, um, Alberta and in Ontario for students to uh, look through and hopefully learn a lot from the dedication wow. of both uh, the missionaries and the early founding fathers. Wow. Is the project finished now? Is no, we're on phase three, which will be the 
work that was completed. So we did the missionaries, we did the 200 early converts, and now we're working on how the missions were established, uh, the medical work, the um, they established some hospitals, educational, primary, secondary school, training uh, colleges, colleges, um, Bible schools, vernacular Bible schools, uh, Bible college, and then the work that is still going on, linguistics and translation, because the Bible is still being translated all the time until uh, today in the various languages that are covered by the mission. Wow. That should be fancy. Grandma, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you for all those words of wisdom. Uh, thank you for stirring up our hearts as I knew you would. Um, thank you for, for praying, constantly praying for us at Jesus' house, um, praying for Shola and I and the children. Um, as we end, I would like to ask you to just say prayer for us. There are people, most of Jesus' house will be watching this. Um, but there are people who don't go to Jesus' house who are in different parts of the world who are connecting uh, for pursuit of God. So I just want to ask you to say a prayer for us, um, especially through these, these, these challenging times that we're faced with. Shall we pray? Oh, loving Father, we thank you that you loved us first. Lord, we long to love you more devotedly every day of our life. We, we, we long to have this intimacy with you. So, Lord, we pray that you will keep us humble in our walk with you. Everything that we have comes from you. We count our blessings, we name them one by one. Lord, during this pandemic period, during this uh, lockdown, you have taught us to stop being busy bodies and to sit at your feet and to listen to you. You have reminded us that we have strayed away as individuals and as a nation. But you have given us your promise that if we would sincerely repent, you would have mercy on us. You would hear our voice and you would restore our land. So Lord, we pray for individual revival. We pray for national revival in Nigeria, in England and all over the world. No country has been spared. And Lord, help us to remember during this time that the end is drawing near and we need to walk closer to you. We need to have a longing to bring others to a living knowledge of Jesus. So Lord, I pray that Jesus will be seen in us. I pray for Jesus' house. Lord, you have used them so mightily. And 
Shout your blessing upon them. May you keep them humble. May they put on the whole armor of Jesus because the greater the favor upon them, the more the devil will seek to attack. Lord, we are in a mighty battle with the enemy. But Lord, you have promised us victory. So I pray for Pastor Agu and Pastor Shola, for their family, for the pastoral team, for every member of the Jesus house. I pray you will fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit. And I pray you will keep them focused on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that they may come out of this lockdown with new seal and new vision and that you will open new doors to them, that you will keep each and every one of us in the hollow of your hand. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Accept our thanks in the precious name of our Lord and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you very much, Grandma, uh, Jesus, Christ, and all those of you who are, who are part of this uh, service, uh, Mrs. Joyce and Imodu. Grandma, I wanted to say that uh, I'm praying that you will document some of your journey, um, especially along these lines. Uh, maybe the next, maybe once this missionary project is finished, the next one would be to write um, a bit about some of what we've discussed, intimacy with God, um, you know, uh, our relationship with God, a bit of your journey. I'm praying that will be the next project, once this project is done. That's great. Thank you for the ideas you're putting into my head. And I know by the grace of the Holy Spirit, uh, he will guide us. Yes, he will. He will. Thank so you so much. Thank you, Grandma. I want to say thank you to Linda for helping us put this together behind the scenes. Your lovely daughter, Linda, uh, who's Shola and I are glad that both her and her husband and children are part of our family and we're part of their family. I want to say thank you to her. And thank you very much, Grandma. Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for, for being there, cheering us on, encouraging us. Uh, we really love you and we appreciate you. Thank you very much. God bless I you. I love you all very much, too. God bless you. Bless you, Grandma. Thank you.